Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. Um, Pastor Russ, you look like you want to say something. I, I was just curious. I mean, is, are we going to have social work in here again with the parents? Social work. Social work. What are you social about? services come in <laughs> probably yeah pa- because parents the, leaving kids unattended yep again yeah yep, I mean, at, at some point i believe these two guys are um negligent well i'm concerned about the radio station i think that their ratings are going to go down i mean that would be bad for <laughs> for them and us well that that would assume that we could drive them even lower than we already have <laughs> Which, That's true. Which is an aggressive But at least assumption. Pastor Phil and Pastor uh, Jonathan kind of keep us in line a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it is late October, and next week is the day that everybody waits with bated breath for. Uh, not Halloween, but Reformation Day. That's right. That's right. And um, yesterday we talked about uh, what Reformation Day represents historically, and it was the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. And so we're just touching on reformational themes leading up to the Reformation. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the church. And just to review it quickly, there was a an issue when the Protestants broke away from Rome. The question was, are you even a legitimate church? So maybe since we didn't really get to apply that too much yesterday, if someone is asking the question, well, am I in a legitimate church today? Someone asks you that, Pastor Russ, how would you answer that question? Uh, I would answer it using the the historic document, the, the Belgic Confession, that there are really three marks of the church. Is Does the church have the pure pu- preaching of the Word of God? Um, are they preaching God's Word, or are they just simply um, speaking things that they want to talk about? Um, and so the idea is that your the pastor should be in some way, shape, or form working through the text of Scripture and communicating what God has said, mm-hmm. um, not what they desire to speak. Second, are the the sacraments faithfully administered? Um, and we would maintain that Christ established only two: baptism and the Lord's Supper. Are baptism and the Lord's Supper done according to the guidelines and principles of God's Word? Mm-hmm. And then third, is there church discipline practice within the church? Mm-hmm. Um, are people being held accountable in their in their lives according to um, the teaching of the Scriptures and the call to holiness that is upon us as God's people? And so those. And then are the the principles of of church discipline being used? as they've been outlined in, in God's Word. Yeah, and and part of those things are going to assume certain structures that already exist, like in church discipline, it, it kind of assumes a, 
a church membership. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you practice church discipline on just any Joe and Sally that happen to be darkening the doors of your church? That would be inappropriate and and weird. Um, so church discipline actually assumes that there's some sort of, you know, like a th- Hebrews 13, 17 moment where it says, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them for they have to give an account for your souls. Who who do I have to give an account for? Do I have to give an account for anybody in your church, Pastor Russ? My, it would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> it would be weird, but it would simplify my work. Right, but but obviously no. And and nor should any Christian have to submit to every leader. So the Hebrews 13, 17 and church discipline, just drawing out the principle, they assume that there's some sort of idea of church membership at a local church. And accountability. And accountability, right. Um, and real quick, on Lord's Supper, so just reviewing from yesterday, on Lord's Supper, I think some of us take Lord's Supper way too lightly. Go read 1 Corinthians 11. Paul told them that God had judged their assembly, and some of them had died and gotten ill precisely because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. That's that's Scripture. That's pretty heavy. Okay, so those are the three marks of um, a church, the the pure preaching of the Word, the right practice of the ordinances or, or sacraments, baptism, Lord's Supper, and then church discipline. So today we're going to talk, the next Reformation theme is on the view of Scripture. So why don't you give us a rundown? This principle became known as sola scriptura, um, Scripture alone, meaning that Scripture is is the ultimate authority for life and godliness for the church and for God's people. Um, and it is also the the belief of the sufficiency of Scripture, that that Scripture is all we need for life and godliness, for matters of salvation, for matters of the Christian life. Um, the Scriptures are are sufficient, um, and we really have that belief challenged um, at the time of the Reformation, um, but continues to be challenged to our day. Um, but we would hold that. Um, the Bible is the authoritative word in the life of the church, in the life of the child of God. And and really, sola scriptura means the final authority, not the only authority. That's correct. So it doesn't eliminate pastors or parents or policemen. Um, but you see this principle being played out in scripture. I can think of two places. I don't know their addresses, but you probably do. So in the book of Acts, uh, the Bereans were listening to the the words of the Apostle Paul. They were listening to him preach and teach, and they didn't just take his words as gospel truth. Acts 17, thank you. Uh, They tested what Paul said against the Scripture, and Luke commends them for doing so. Now, if if Paul was the final authority, and this is the reason I bring this up is because in, in Rome, and even in some Protestant churches, Pastors usurp the authority of the church by saying, well, we're the final authority, kind of what we say stands. Well, that's false. Here you have one place in Acts 17. The second place is in 1 John 4, where John says, beloved, test the spirits, because not every spirit that comes into the world is from God. Well, what are we supposed to test the spirits against? The word of God. And so what's crazy about that text is is the scriptures even telling us to test what you think comes from the Holy Spirit against God. And, and the Holy Spirit's not offended by testing your experiences against the Scripture. In fact, he commands you to do so. Can I just give a, a just a quick, helpful 
advice for in, interacting with your your pastors that might help? Um, so the, yes. <laughs> so the idea of of Acts seventeen, First John four, is not for you to listen to every sermon in order to be the critic. Um, I think you you personally give away worship when you do that. You want to take careful notes. You want to to listen and make sure that it reflects the true teaching of of Scripture. Um, but ultimately, your job is not necessarily to to be the pastor critique. Yeah, I have a board of elders. I have elders that that is their job, mm-hmm. and and so the primary thing is that they should be listening to make sure that I'm teaching those things that are true to God's word as you, but it's their responsibility to hold me accountable. Um, you're just trying to make sure that you're walking away with true biblical teaching. Mm-hmm. Second, it's probably not overly helpful for you to come up and talk to the pastor about what you think he should have included. That's not that's not being a Berean. Mm-hmm. A Berean is saying, I want to make sure that what's being said is scripturally true. Yeah. Please hear this with, with just the utmost of, of graciousness from me. Um, I always have more material than I have time to preach. Mm-hmm. And so we are making decisions. I'm sure that's true of every minister. And they're making decisions about what should be included and what things they need to leave out for the sake of brevity, for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. And so it's not helpful when you come up and say, you should have said this, you should have expanded on this, you should have done this. Well, the question you need to ask is, were they unbiblical? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then that's okay for you to think. It's probably not that helpful to say. Yeah. Because the pastor has already thought probably about all of those things you're bringing up, mm-hmm. and it just creates a, a, a false sense of guilt on the part of the pastor to say, oh, I, I, I should have preached this way or that way or another way, mm-hmm. even though they preached something that was biblically sound and true. Yeah. Yep. So that's just my little helpful hints no, to how to interact with your ministers. Well, it, you know, the scripture does command us, um, Jesus, in fact, he says in one of the parables, be careful how you listen. So that's, it's an imperative command. Be careful how you listen. So there is a sense in which when we're listening, we need to take notice of the way in which we're listening. Am I listening as a person who... God, whatever you want to say to me today, please speak it and may your servant receive it into his heart. Um, or am I am I listening passively? Am I listening as a critic is kind of what you were maybe alluding to? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the sense in which I'm listening to the word of God? Moses said, when the children of Israel were entering into the promised land, this is no idle word to you, but it is your very life. Are you listening to the word of God as if this word of God is your very life or not? And if not, then you have an issue of not with the pastor so much, but with what the scripture says about itself. And the, and the hope in all of this is to have a high view of Scripture. Yes. So we as ministers want to make sure that what we're bringing to you week after week after week is not our feelings, our thoughts, our ideas, our innovative you know, concepts. We want to bring the truth of God's Word with clarity, with um, simplicity, with power, with application. 
and our desire is that as we are true to have a high view of Scripture, that God has promised that His Spirit will accompany His Word and will accomplish His purposes. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to give my thoughts from the pulpit. I want to give God's thoughts from the pulpit because there is no promise that God's going to accompany my words. Right. But there is a promise that he will accompany his words. Yes. And so that's what you need to pray for your pastor, yes. that they're faithful to the text, that they're faithful to allow God's word to come through, and that they, at the end of the day, what I hope every Sunday is that I don't get in the way yeah. of God's word. Yeah. And as people in the church, you should be wanting that in your own life, that your life is underneath the authority of the word of God from your minister, but also in your home. And in in your own personal life, and I appreciate you brought the, those comments up about praying. A number of of the members in our church will text me or just remind me that they're praying for me on Saturday because that's typically when I write my message after studying it, and I'm just filled with a lot of anxiety on that particular day. And I've noticed ever since they started praying for me, my anxiety, I still have it, but it's gone down quite a bit. And man, do you have that type of um, heart for the word of God being preached at your church. I mean, think about how differently you would listen if you're regularly praying, Lord, give my pastor a word from you. Help him to be faithful. Help him to interpret rightly. Help him to apply it skillfully. Help the love of Christ to be seen and felt through his words. And then even coming into the sanctuary, looking around and saying, Lord, who are you going to impress today with your word? Please do it now. And, and this is why it's so important in your own homes to have the Word of God be central to your home. Um, as an individual, we should be daily in God's Word, but I make a commitment as fathers and mothers to also be instructing your kids in the, in the Word, reading the Word at mealtimes or at family devotions at night so that your, your home is saturated with, with the Word of God. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We're just tackling some reformational themes this week because next Saturday is Reformation Day, the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. If you'd like one good resource, can you name one good resource for the Protestant Reformation? Any of the kids' books by Simon Car would be excellent resources. Cool. We will see you next time. <laughs>